As we were singing that uh, last song, I uh, uh, actually said a prayer for this group. I would love for you all to have an earworm this week. You know what an earworm is? That, that tune that comes back over and over, uninvited. It can be troubling, uh, but that last song that we sang, wouldn't it be wonderful for all of us to have an earworm this week and it just, just comes back uh, time after time? Um, in re- reading scripture, you have listed in the bulletin, but uh, I'm going to give a little bit of background by uh, starting verse 25 of uh, chapter 16 of Acts. We're in uh, Philippi, and they're in the prison there, uh, have been beaten nearly to death. And, um, uh, and then we uh, started verse 25, which says, Along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a roast hymn to reading out of the message. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then, without warning, a huge earthquake. The jailhouse tottered. Every door flew open. All the prisoners were loose. Startled from the jailer, all the doors, doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners escaped, he pulled out his, out his sword and was doing himself in, figuring he was as good as dead anyway. When Paul stopped him, don't do that. We're all here, still here. Nobody's run away. The jailer got a torch and ran inside. Bad, 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 bacon. He collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, what do I have to do to be to be saved, to really live? That could be in the ear as well. As we encounter our, our world this week, uh, focusing on those who don't know Christ, uh, and we've, we have the answer right there. They said, put your entire trust in, in Master Jesus. Then you'll live, live as they were meant to live, and everyone in your house included. They want to spell out in detail the story of the Master, the entire family got in on the Lord. They never did get to bed that night. The jailer made the feel at home, spread their wounds, and then, then couldn't wait till morning, was baptized. He and everyone in his family. There in his home, he had a food shop for a festive meal. It was a night to remember. He and his entire family had put their trust in God. Everyone in the house was in on the celebration. Now let's look at Matthew 18. And we're headed for verse 3, but we're going to run, uh, read Matthew uh, 18, beginning with verse 1. The disciples came to Jesus asking, Who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? For an answer, Jesus called over a child, whom he stood in the middle of the room, said, Dead. I'm telling you once and all that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, again, like this child, rank high in God's kingdom. morning once again. Thank you for reading the word of God, Dr. John. And he had a bird this week, so wish him well. We got away without a song today, but maybe you can do something for your favorite veterinarian, right? I'm glad to be here, and I love you uh, here at Brown's Chapel. And uh, another week, we'll wrap this up, and you've been a blessing to me. Thank you. And uh, 
I asked the team at Riley Friends Church if I could attempt to be a blessing to you and come over here and here and dump it up since we have Saturday church. And they were very supportive, every single one of them. The entire team has been it during this time. Uh, you know, we refer to that as LSD, lead for disease. <laughs> you do what you want, when you want, say what you want, and it definitely affects the sheep. So I wanted to check in with them and they said, the kingdom of God. And one of them said, we wish you would preach the same message so you could sleep, sleep with one of them. <laughs> so my material is new and it forces them at times to listen to unfortunate, right? <laughs> so uh, it is a joy to be a part of the kingdom of God and perspective of our church. We want to worship where God leads us, but we know we're a part of the greater scheme of God's kingdom of the world. And it's for sake of the world that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And that is a song to hopefully be an earworm all week. Glorious music. Glorious music this morning. And thank you to the team of music. It makes it a lot easier to share the word of God when we've led into his presence. And we'll pray for everyone's church, right? Well, I don't mind preaching to you, professors and leaders and general superintendents and thoughtful people, and, but don't put me in front of the kids. <laughs> That's a group. <laughs> I remember in Seattle, we had a few hundred children in children's church, and Dr. Kathy brought her daughter in, Heather, her only, only child, and Scott, Scott was a leader in the community, and I was trying to make, make nice talk, you know, just, uh, what do you do? I have dogs. But I remember asking Heather when uh, her birthday was coming out, like Dr. John's just passed, and she said she was she was three, and I asked her when she was going to turn to turn four. She said, "When I'm done with three, <laughs> wow, I would really be a bomb in children's church. Keep me out of that group." I remember Doctor Pauline Larson, eminent archivist, president of all the archivists in the United States of America, retired from Warehouser to watch over my private library, and uh, this was in the early '90s, fresh out of school, and. Uh, working and writing for, for a few uh, PhDs and uh, written about 100 books. And uh, I remember they would require me to read about 10 to 12 a week just to keep up with them for their learning. So there's a lot I missed, really, a lot. And then came a baby, and, and I did my best and had, a, had a, I think, a new pipe. And they talked about onesies, you know, and I didn't know what a onesie was. I'm going to teach them to the professor. So everybody left, and my staff was there, and I said to Dr. Larson, if a onesie is what a child wears when they're, when they're one, what is this a child wear two? <laughs> she says, you need a life. <laughs> you see, in all honesty, and she said, stop petting the kids like they're animals. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I love my disease. So I'm going to tell you there are a few fields that I would register modestly high in, and there's some that I would just need 4111. <laughs> but I know I am in my life at 51. And uh, I love the church. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I believe in being authentically Christian and unapologetically Wesleyan in your case. I believe that we can all be authentically Christian and unapologetically what God has called you so that we can uniquely, like the quilt out there, a patch of time be weaved together to reach our entire culture instead of trying to be the same who God made us to be and lift Jesus Christ up. When we do that, the world's better. I sure hope God takes me out of the pulpit before I'm not excited about the gospel of Jesus. I would rather retire, as I mentioned, it's in the Bible twice and once as punishment. 
rather retire than arrive at the pulpit and not be jazzed, if I can be clear with you, about what the gospel of Jesus Christ can do in the life of an individual if you give the gospel a chance. We've been working through the book of Acts, and that is the actions of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works uniquely with Dr. Luke and St. Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, and then Silas, and then the text was they were jailed. The last few weeks we've been moving through what happened in Europe. How would the gospel reach somebody? What would it do to the unreached? That's a new word if you don't know it in missiology. People want to reach the unreached. I'm all for that. For that. I remember walking the Amazon jungle 50 miles and rolling my pants up to my knees and getting in there and living through Coleman Lantern for the better part of a year. I'm okay with reaching the unreached. Let's not move to different continents and miss our own county. At times, I believe it's so much easier to commission somebody else to go somewhere else and do something else than it is to bring the gospel of Christ to the pew of church, the town we live in, or our own friends or family. I have a dear friend named Andy. He was my nanny growing up. I had a project with Andy this week, and this county knows Andy, and we love Andy. He's, he's friend with me, and he always oh, since fifth grade. He said, I'll just tell you what he said. Dude, I need prayer. <laughs> and I said, pray. He said, this is a prayer I need. You're like a brother to me. And we were just surrounded by, by things. And I prayed in a message last night with exclamations. They look like L's. There were so many of them. God has answered. I ran into this individual, and this happened. And praise God, oh my, I've never heard him say that since I've known him. Fifth grade. The gospel is changing lives. I met your pastor last night. What a joy. Theo and Randy, you'll be blessed. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for the future and what's going to happen here. And just for my small role, remember, you have a friend, friend in Greenfield. Regardless of my stammering and my lack of articulation of the gospel of Christ, my weakness in being clear, I love Jesus and I believe in you. Of a super bright future. I want to talk to you about what God has laid on my heart, and then we're going to go enjoy what's left <laughs> I think we can do that. What happened to Lydia in our story? What happened to Lydia's household? Why would Lydia be baptized? What happened to the slave girl that was delivered in the name of Jesus Christ? What happened to that jailer who was about to take his life, and he and his home, and they also were in in the baptism and what did they do after they were baptized practiced biblical hospitality on the, the people that they just imprisoned why could a life change drastically because God is still doing what, what no one can do you do not have to say amen to that it's on every page in the Bible God is still doing what no one else can do it's not who we are the gospel of Jesus Christ and his changing lives will give it a chance to change lives. So if we were to move through this acts of the Holy Spirit and not talk about this one phrase, we would be remiss. Here is the entire message in sentence and you can fall asleep. God sent Jesus to die for you. And once you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you are a converted individual on the way to heaven. And thank God Almighty. We should not 
continue to grow our church without pausing as I make my hands into a timeout signal and talking about conversion. Yes, conversion. The Bible says, and I choose to use the King James Version, I wrote this as an article 31 years ago when I was 20. I wrote this, except ye can be and become as a little child, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I choose the King James Version because there's no exception to God's except in the Bible. If you are not converted, you cannot expect to spend life and eternity with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We are not a club. I believe in clubs. I believe in causes. I believe in communities. And I even believe in you. But I believe that the church of Jesus Christ has gotten a smidge light on conversion. We save it for the evangelist, or the missionary, or the Sunday school teacher, or the VBS individual who's going to deliver the gospel to your, to your child. Pulpit needs to have conversion messages in it, or we are light on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Conversion is so liberating that it can free you from your sins, liberate you from your past, and give a place in heaven forever, except ye be converted. We have divided the church into three major categories. You don't have to Google it right now. I'll just give them to you. These are three major categories of modern church today. We have the diagnostic church. They diagnose your issue. Put a band-aid or artery wound. Make you feel a little better. And quite possibly with smoke machines and skinny jeans. And I have neither. And they make you feel better by your condition. And then you're way to somewhere in your Sabbath. That's the diagnostic church. Then we have the medicinal church. Treating everyone who walk through the door as if they have an illness. And, and we ourselves have the cure to illness. How false and how heresaical would that be? We do not have the cure for the greatest need in your life. Only Jesus Christ does. If we move from diagnosing you, and we can do anything with the diagnosis anyway, we move from the medicinal church acting as if we have the medicine only Christ does. And then finally, we get into the empowerment church. And there is no power except for the gospel of Jesus Christ teaching your lost soul. All of those are false churches. And we divide ourselves into these categories. And we you and we raise our voice. And I'll try to be softer. And we strain our voice on Sunday. But Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone saves. Except ye be converted you will not ever, ever enter the kingdom of God now. Praise, praise Almighty, we're in it now. Or later, when you expire and you are with God forever. Before we move any further into conversion, I want to tell you what conversion is not. And then there are two isms. I'm going to go very, very light, light isms, especially Sunday morning. There are isms or ites that we must address that are not conversion, that are often in the pulpit. As conversion, proselytism. Let's just keep it simple. A change of label and not life. We push the change of label again and again and again. I make jokes because I like dry humor that we the Quakers, we invented copper wire while fighting over pen in the 16th century. We just failed to make the copyright. We wanted the cheapest dirt possible, as the largest firms as possible, as many kids on them as possible. There was even a friend's family out there where I started my 
Quaker ministry had 10. There's another that had 13 children. There's one that had nine. No families, just tribes. All right. But you can't move from the Francis movement to the Wilhelm movement, to the Nazarene movement, to the Episcopal movement, to the Methodist movement, and not have a change in your heart and life. That is proselytism. And that is conversion. That is a label and not a lifestyle. That should not be in the Pope's biblical conversion. An easy one. That was simple, wasn't it? And the other ism that we should deal with is sinless perfectionism. Oh, yeah. We do not talk about this. We create so much confusion in the life of our sheep, sheep, and sheep. We're calling them now sheeple. We create, it's okay. We can laugh at ourselves, right? I'm the shepherd of the sheep. On some cases, I'm the under shepherd to Jesus. You're the sheep. We're all his sheep. We create enormous confusion by preaching sinless perfectionism and not knowing it. What is sinless perfectionism? You can live on earth free and clear all the days of your life, word, deed, and perfectly needing the grace of Jesus Christ to grow you in progressive sanctification as you walk with Jesus Christ as the acts of the Holy Spirit are in you. You can hear people say, I haven't sinned in 10 years. Really? Charles Spurgeon heard that once. He did. Charles Spurgeon, the most published minister in the history of Christendom. He waited the next day at a lecture with a clergy, and I do not recommend this at all. And he walked to the clergyman and poured a pitcher of milk over his head at breakfast. Again, I do not recommend this, I'm just preaching. And he spewed things that were so not such perfectionism out of his mouth as the milk poured over his head onto his notes and his paper. And we have done no less damage in the church of Jesus Christ by putting people into this category where you are sinless, perfect, and you do not need the outcropping of the Holy Spirit. It is ridiculous. Notice what the Bible says. If we claim... To be without sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. John 4.8 Proselytism and sinless perfectionism heresy in the church of Jesus Christ. Sorry for the clarity. But Charles Spurgeon also said, do, do go where it is all fine music and grand talk and beautiful architecture. And I'll pause all of those. And do not be ashamed. Be proud of those. Spurgeon said, do, do go where it is all fine music and, and talk and beautiful architecture. Go where the gospel is preached and go often. We need to take the band-aid off the artery wounds of sin and let Jesus Christ heal and lead people, people to heaven and get out of the way. And somebody in a Christian education class should teach people perfectionism and not the gospel. Grace has nothing to do with that. Those are the two sidebars to conversion. Let's talk about what conversion is in the life of a believer if we can. It's when you open your heart to Jesus and you ask Him to forgive you of your sins and He comes in and He cleanses you and you begin that journey. That might be happening in children's church today. And that's the seed the Holy Spirit waters and we learn and we grow. Times I can't imagine the men that mentored me. I cannot imagine 
for the men that called me from different continents to ask mentor me for 25 years of my life after 17 years of college. Dr. Jewel typed 100 words a minute. I typed 30. I just acted like I was typing memos because our offices was next to each other. He said, you're getting this, and I'm just faking it till we golf. He was a brilliant golfer. I created divots. This is, yeah, looking uh, like large bars. He loved to golf. I'd have to ask him which club to use. He would tell me. He golfed every day. I'm like, wow, wow, you can go to heaven and golf every day. He did. I asked him once, how, what was that? He said, that was a three par. I said, how did I do? He said, five feet from the hole. And so I asked him any questions now. <laughs> Never golf with him again like that. He wrote 80 books. He's a region of university. Godly and saintly. We we're going to the speedy chapel, and I just drove with him. 3,000 students. On the way to Chicago, he gave me his notes. He said, You'll be sharing this today. I said, God, I'm 21, and I'm not going to speak to that group of people. He said, You will. I said, I won't. He said, Oh, yes, you will. And when I lost the argument, he said, because I won't always be here. And the gospel will be here. And you will learn to preach the gospel when Jesus Christ lays it on your heart and preach what you preached on Sunday. And forgiveness. I'm just trying to teach you to be a good leader. And I preached. These are my notes <laughs> from that. And I kept them for an article that I wrote. Let me tell you what a professor at TTW uh, Stein said, it is the essence of the modern mind universe in meaningless and powerless. Conversion isn't always easy, I want you to know. Some people might give you a reason why they can't be converted because of their current lifestyle. Because what's going on in their life won't fit with conversion if converted. I want you, I want you to know that easy is only mentioned once by Christ in the Bible. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He never said that Christianity or conversion would be easy. He said it would be eternal. If our life is built all the days of our life, praise God Almighty, when we make it there, we'll be with God, His Son, Jesus Christ, and He will take care of the details down on earth. Jesus did not die on a cross that looked like that. He died in ignominious death, and the details don't even belong in the pulpit of the physical description of his death. He did not die for our happiness. He died for our holiness. We are uncomfortable, and life doesn't make sense for large patches of our life. Except ye be converted, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Have you been converted? Like Lydia. Like the, like the jailer. And have you been delivered like a slave girl? You can be delivered by the power of God. Now, conversion, simply saying, it's these three steps in our life. We come to God. The first step is, it's a Latin word, conversion. The first is to have a new direction in life. It's two words, con and varter. And I won't integrate details, but you can borrow my notes if you can read them. They're scratch all over them. I've had them for over three decades now. It is two words means turn and with a military term. Just like an about face is exactly the word for conversion. You are doing an about face on your life and you're with God no matter what happens. The initial step is yours. But as soon as you start to make the move, with is with God. 
you cannot be converted without God's Son, Jesus Christ. John 14, 6. Jesus said, For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And you know what the disciples said? But Lord. And he answered that question. First step is a new direction. It's unique in God. The second is we become like little children. That's childish, not childlike. That's childish in our nature and not childlike in our nature. God wants us to be receptive to His children. And I've said this to you, and Dr. John and I have had more than one deal on this subject. Go ahead and say, say God, now for your future. Predetermine your attitude of yes. Pay. Predetermine your attitude of yes. Just get it out of the way. God will bless you. So the first is you move with God in a new direction. Secondly, you take on a new attitude that of a child. You learn and you're receptive from the Holy Spirit and you want to grow. The Gospel is not just for sin. Well, it is. Entire family is saved. I hope you're the only one in your family that's converted. I hope that the gospel has reached the outer edges of your family tree and you yourself can witness the people in your family, Lydia and the jailer, that their families experience the gospel. I do understand it's difficult to reach your family, right? I'm one of four boys. The head of the SWAT team for the state of Indiana was my Sunday school teacher, Joe Wayne Scott, later called the emergency response team. He retired as the head of Homeland Security for the state of Indiana. In the last governorship, he was not the man, and he was, he was my teacher. And he called the, the Ford Dennis boys the sons of thunder. <laughs> he himself was enormously the individual. I remember praying the best prayer I could when my parents asked me to pray as a boy, only to have one of my, my brother, brother unnamed say, I would have this. <laughs> we could have eaten without that. <laughs> Stands up underneath the meal plate now, <laughs> or, or or spending 160 days a year in church, church coming up, and, and still saying I had religion shoved down my throat as a kid, and I can't stand it anymore. I love it. I love the Church of Jesus Christ, and I would do it all again. And I hope I have years to come. But we have to have that. But it's not just, not just for sin. Last night at Riley, friends, a gentleman read a devotional that. The gospel was for helplessness, worthlessness, and loneliness. It might save you from your sins and clearly and absolutely and get you to heaven. But just know this, that Jesus Christ can help you with your helplessness. He can help you with your worthlessness. Salvation will help you with your worthlessness. And I dare say more people die of loneliness than any chemical addiction in the history of humankind. We have a society chock full of lonely people. And the greatest resource in the current church of Jesus Christ is the retired, almost retired, semi-retired, praying being retired, totally retired group of people. And we don't even preach to them because they're not in their 30s. They're not where they need to be. We're reaching this people group. And the greatest resource in the church of Jesus Christ is the people group that I just mentioned by numerics, by stewardship, and loyalty to the kingdom of God. We have people so lonely that we preach the gospel over their aching heart. I used to visit everybody. I know, hard to believe, in my congregation. 
Even my neighbor, his wife had Alzheimer's. One of my friends said, why do you go? I said, because I love my neighbors. She said, I need to deal that you're there. He's not even a Christian. She won't even remember. Come, it was. I will. I'll remember that I visited. I'll remember that the God. And I'll remember that I prayed. Because the sheep of God's flock are those that the shepherd leads. So the first is the new direction. The second is the new spirit. And thirdly, we must enter into the kingdom of God now. Do you remember that? Some of us do, and I know your families. You're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. That's so ridiculous. Not criticizing anybody, I know that's well intended. We are in the kingdom of God now. The kingdom of God is in us. And salvation is for the life of the world that we live in. It's not just a revival or VBS. The things that are big in our lives for the helpless, the hopeless, the worthless, the lonely, and those who are lost outside of God's sphere. I want to wrap this up with a dramatic text by, by Paul. Probably one of the most luminous texts about conversion in all the Bible. If any man in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, they are the old things have been new. That can be true in your life. A statement about conversion is a scholar named Whitcomb, not James Whitcomb Riley. We celebrate that this weekend in Hancock County. If you ask me what conversion means to me now, then I'm at the end of my spiritual pilgrimage. It means these things. It means that my mental approach to everything has changed. Ideals stand out clearly in the light of the Holy Spirit. Is God Almighty? And secondly, it means that my somewhat cynical attitude is undergoing dramatic life change. Whomever loves, I must love. We love who God calls us to love if we're converted. It means thirdly, that I feel freedom from the things that, that used to me back. Do you have the freedom to say you are living the life of Christ in your, in your life? Fourthly, when once I took fright at God's name, I, I now understand why the people who stand on street corners shouting about God and His Son. Not one of those necessarily that will stand on street corners, but I would fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I get it out clearly with my last breath that God called me to. And then fifthly, Church calls it conversion. The Bible calls it a new birth. And I call it a miracle. Have you experienced the miracle of conversion in your life so that you can live this out day in, day out? God is still changing lives through conversion messages. Now, we have a song in a minute, and it's going to be beautiful. You don't ever want to hear me sing from the train car, but I still sing. I want to challenge you. I have a friend that I love. His name is Ryan. He was ensconced in a lifestyle that wouldn't glorify God, but Mary loved his, his wife and his child. I can tell you this because public testimony is out there, and I've mentioned it once to you. He drank heavily from, from preteen age to 42 till I met him, and I introduced him to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
most, most years ago. He's chemical free. He's in church. He's reconciled with his family and blended family. He's doing great things for the kingdom of God and he's doing wonderful things within his own family. Those reconciliation. This song is, is being prepared to be played or sung or whatever's going to happen. Is there someone in your life that you would like to bring forward to God? This is not, not an altar call for you. Let's just get, get that out of the way. Can I do that? This is not for you. This is you knowing there's someone in your family, friendship circle, or life that needs converted and only Jesus Christ could do that for them. You, you could not do that, that. Jesus Christ changed their life drastically. And you, like the people in the gospel, bring them through those terracotta tiles, through the roof, and you lower your friend right at the feet of Jesus and at this, this altar. You leave your friend and you leave it in God's hand and you let the Holy Spirit and His actions convert them, clean them up, move them through the stages of sanctification and get them on the way to heaven. And your moving forward today is bringing a person forward that I know needs God. Come forward and bring your friend during this music and this song, if you will.